the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 43, recorded Friday, May 25th, 2012. Four ladies and a little man. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. I'm your host, Tim Albright. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this week, we are continuing our highlights of the monthly shows we do here at AV Nation, uh, hosted at the by the fine folks at Rave Publications. This week, we're going to talk to the women in AV, affectionately known as Wave. Uh, first up is Jennifer Whirlwood. Jennifer is our host for Women in AV. Uh, she has a really long title that basically means she oversees all the AV and development for the California court system. How are you, Jennifer? I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for having us, Tim. Mm, absolutely. Uh, also with us is no stranger to these parts is Miss Dawn Mead, the marketing and media coordinator at NetAV. How are you, ma'am? Very good, thanks. Hi, everybody. Uh, also is Kelly Perkins. This is the first time I'm meeting Kelly. She is the marketing and communication specialist at Vadio. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, Miss Midori Connolly. She is the CEO and quote unquote chief AV girl. Her words, not mine, from Pulse Staging. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Happy to be here. I, I will point out that when we were talking back and forth uh, on, on email, somebody mentioned that this is the girly show, and I'm just here to push the pretty buttons. So uh, don't don't mind me, guys. Um, but no, seriously, in all, in all seriousness, um, I, I contacted uh, Jennifer when I started hearing, when I first heard about the Women in AV group. And this is something that... that Oddly enough, I am very passionate about because, not to sound weird, but I I have I have an affinity for women for women in AV, and because it, it's one of the the sciences, I consider you know audiovisual a science, uh, at least a lot of what we do, and and the fact that you know what I've I've never made bones about the fact that I think that women belong next to men in every single aspect of of the uh, the workplace environment. More so now that I have a daughter who eventually, hopefully, I think I told Jennifer this once, hopefully will, you know, if, if everything works out, she'll become a wave. So, uh, Jennifer, take a couple minutes and kind of tell people, or, or, or Kelly, either one, or, uh, take a couple minutes and kind of tell people what wave is about first and then kind of go into, into what you guys do on the podcast. Great. Well, yeah, fantastic, Tim. And you did tell me that. And I just want you to know that I thought that that was really sweet. And so we are more than welcome to start your daughter off young as all of the other girls to help in any way we can. And so the um, Women in AV group, we um, were established uh, after Infocom last June. We are now over 365 uh, worldwide. We have uh, members from the United Emirates. We have Russia, Canada, the United States, UK, Hong Kong. I 
I'm, we're all over the place and we're actually on five continents. And so my big goal is that we can actually reach um, all seven continents. So if there is anybody out there that's listening that knows some woman who does AV in Antarctica, please get in touch <laughs> with us and let us know because um, we're really excited as a group to reach out. And every one of the women that's here to join us today is just really amazing women in our industry. And um, we're all part of WAVE. And so what we do is offer networking, mentoring, collaborating opportunities. Kelly is our marketing director. She's currently uh, working on launching our website, and we'll have that up and running in the next couple of weeks, definitely before Infocom. Um, And we're offering mentoring programs. And it's just a nice way for all of us to get together, knowing that we're in a male-dominated industry. Uh, For the WAVEcast, we're just recorded, thankfully, our uh, third one, and that will be up next week. And so each month, what we try to do is just take a different topic and different sectors of women within our industry that are leading our industry. And, you know, we just talk about it. We talk about what they do for a living. We talk about who they are as people um, and also how they see the future of our industry and certainly how um, we can encourage and bring more women into um, AV. That That's really cool. And, and the first couple um, shows that you had, like the very first one you had, uh, you had the three female members of the Infocom board. Uh, another show you you did, uh, uh, women uh, programmers, which are there aren't, there aren't a whole lot of women programmers in, right. in the business. Uh, and this last week, you talked to um, basically um, journalists in the industry. Uh, no, I'd like to actually correct you if I may. Oh. We talked to editor in chief of AV News Publications. So, See? yes, that's what happens when you when you do it remotely. So. <laughs> Fantastic. And that will be up next week. So I'm really excited about that one. Uh, All right. So this week we're going to talk about Motorola and some really cool new boxes they have coming out. Um, 3D or not to 3D, just because anytime I get the chance to pound on 3D and tell people how evil it is, we will. Um, We're also going to talk about some of the stuff that you guys are doing, the Women in AV Group at Infocom, and also what you guys are looking for at Infocom. But first, we're going to talk about Samsung. And not for nothing, but Samsung has kind of snuck up on me, at least. Let's just say that. Uh, The the story we're we're using to kind of kick this off is uh, the fact that they are coming out with a a dual-view OLED TV. We'll put this in in the show notes. Um. But Don, we'll start with you on this. Is it is it just me? And that could be because you know I'm kind of thick skulled. But is is has Samsung just kind of snuck out of nowhere when it comes to the AV industry, or have they just done this quiet march all along, or have they always been here and I've just been too silly to notice? Um, I, I think it's more a combination of those last two. <laughs> I'm too silly to notice. Um, there we go. Well, and and they've they've, they've you know gone the slow and steady wins the race sort of routine. Um, you know, in my years in the industry, and it's been about 13, 14 years, flat panels sort of came to prominence. And for the longest time, we were pioneer plasma people. And there's still people that are huge fans out there, of you know, the, the CMXs and all of those things. Um, but when, when that company sort of went out of the plasma market, when the CMXs went away, Samsung was really the, the, the company that my company at the time went to. Um, they made great displays. We used them for a lot of things. They had the Magic Net, Magic Info sort of built-in digital signage deal that we did a lot of. And so to me, you know, they've been around because they were one of our bread and butter go-to manufacturers. 
Um, that said, they were never one of the huge guys. They were never the pioneers in the Panasonics that were out there at the forefront. So I, I can see where, where you're thinking all of a sudden, wow, where the heck did they come from? Um, but, you know, they, 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 they've just been there all along, sort of flying under the radar and making great product. And, and now they're really starting to get their due with, you know, some of the changes in the market. And, and of course, you know me, I'm a big fangirl for OLED. Uh-huh. So I, I, every, every, every positive word they get for that, you know, I, I've been chomping at the bit for the technology. So I, I'm, I'm with them for that. I can't wait. So. I, I am I am definitely on board with you with with that as well, um, Jennifer. Is this uh, like like uh, like Don says they just always kind of been there? And, and the reason I ask about the all of a sudden is uh, when Extron uh, stepped out of being in Infocom and they were one of the platinum sponsors. Which uh, if you're not familiar with that, that is the largest and you know, that's the biggest sponsorship you can have. Samsung just kind of seamlessly stepped in there. Um, and so is this, is this kind of their coming of age, like, like, kind of like Don said? Well, I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that anybody's really come of age yet in the OLED market, um, in terms of actually having a product that shipped. Um, so I, I guess I would wait to sort of see that actually happen. Um, I'm as excited as everybody else would be. Um, Samsung's always had a good product. Um, from my perspective as an end user, um, owner, I've always tried to stick with the um, the professional line of any displays and projectors that are out there, some of the different manufacturers. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm looking at this and sort of reading it, and I'm a huge fan of that technology, and especially in California when you talk about plasmas. Um, we have a lot that goes on with our California Energy Commission. So um, they want to ax anything when it comes to wattage. Um, so certainly with this technology and everything, it will uh, really help. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that in terms of whether or not we're ever going to see an OLED TV? Well, this is Midori, and um, you know, actually, it's kind of interesting too what you were saying about you know, did did they just show up all of a sudden? And I think we're kind of forgetting that um, their background, which is the OLED on the small screen. And I think what we're starting to see is that pervasion of the second screen. So, I think you know, in my crystal ball, I really see our market beginning to be heavily, heavily influenced by the developers and um, the people or the manufacturers who really kind of tapped into that second screen market, which is really the mobile market. Um, So, you know, they were developing this technology on, um, you know, in smaller dimensions, not smaller scale. Um, And I, I feel like perhaps, you know, maybe that's the, that is the coming of age where they, they're translating this technology they've been working on for decades and bringing it to, um, you know, a larger uh, display market. Um, and, and that may be influencing, you know, some of the other products, as you mentioned, the, the new box, you know, that they're working on. And, um, you know, I think that probably that has more of an influence and, and could be why we will see more of these um, manufacturers who have taken that approach. Um, I mean, as you know, you know, mobile consumption has surpassed desktop consumption. So I really feel like that could be influencing us and it's something to keep an eye on. And that's that's actually a really good point. I mean, uh, one of the biggest stories circulated last last uh, quarter was the fact that 
uh, Apple sold more iPads than Dell sold computers. So that's a very good point. Now, now Midori, is, let me ask you this. Do you think that it is, you, you know, like you said, Samsung's been working on this for years. So is this just like a, a, a nice, you know, a nice, uh, a happy accident where the industry is ready for this and Samsung is ready for this? So should we see, like, you know, Dawn and I are, are hopefully chomping at the bit and saving our dimes and nickels, that we really will see an LED this year that, you know, I won't have to mortgage my house on? Maybe? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily this year. I mean, it was a pretty hot commodity at CES. But Jennifer just made a very, very important port point in as you look at energy consumption and, um, you know, length of uh, lifespan, you know, there is a demand still for more sustainable products. So I don't think it was necessarily a happy surprise. I think that it was more, you know, probably a calculated, hey, we have this technology we've developed, you know, and as a business owner myself, I'm always looking for where else can we take this? What else can we do with it? So I'm sure there's some solid strategy also knowing the demand for greener products, more sustainable products. Um, so it's really just kind of a, I would say, a natural fit. But I'm not sure that this is the year for it. Um, I, I think some of the forecasts that I've seen for OLED tend to range towards more of the 2014 um, time frame. Wow. Okay. So another another two years to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can add to that, um, I'm wondering: Does anybody know if LG actually shipped their 55? Because I just don't. I haven't kept up on it. Um, actually shipped their 55 inch. And Tim, if you have a uh, you know eight thousand dollars laying around of pennies that you accumulated, um, I have five thousand dollars of pennies. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they were supposed to ship in May. So. Um, but yeah, I think to Midori's um, point, um, it's just going to be a long time before we actually see a full size. And I agree um, that they're actually moving to the direction to get it into the professional side of the industry's hands where um, it'll get a lot more traction. I'm, I'm checking to see if I can find one online. <laughs> I can't, so <laughs> darn it. I find one for 8,000 euros, so there you go. I, I don't know what that means in real money, so... About 15,000 U.S. Oh, jeez. Lovely. <laughs> I don't really have 5,000 pennies either. So there we go. All right. Well, let's move from one. And, and the reason I, I, I may even – I guess this is why Samsung has taken me by surprise is the fact that they're on the back of my cell phone, you know. Um, and, and not that they can't make other things, but they but they can just like kind of like Motorola does. Uh, Motorola started out years and years ago as, you know, a battery and, and – um, actually the flip phone uh, manufacturer. And another story that we've got uh, from them is this whole new little interface they, they came up with. Now, if you didn't know, Motorola is one of the biggest manufacturers of your cable set-top box. Actually, if you have uh, you know, Comcast or we have Charter in, in, in St. Louis, most likely there's a really good chance that Motorola is going to be on, on the front or the back of your, uh, or the back of your box. They've got this really cool little thing called Dream Gallery, and it's 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 still in the in the beta step uh, step. They're just showing it. It's a concept video, but this thing, I mean, it's it's awfully pretty. Um, um, Midori, do you see kind of this? You know, because it, it's got a lot of social stuff in it. It's got a lot of other stuff, and Google is in the process of buying Motorola. So you know, here's here's my you know uh, evil empire two cents on it. There's a good chance that Google TV can be slapped on this thing pretty pretty easily. 
the revival of Google TV. Yes, yes, yes. It's a seance. It's not dead. Um, you know, I, I was checking out the interface that, you know, I was watching the video and it's pretty slick. I mean, I think that what they're doing is just really underlying that whole idea of social is so pervasive. We cannot get away from social and, you know, lest the AV professionals out there are thinking that, you know, this is something for just the consumer market. And, and I face this in the events industry all the time where we have, you know, event producers, organizers who just think that this is for another department. This is just what, you know, for people to do in their spare time, this, you know, social is, is not going away and it's only getting stronger. And again, it's just becoming more integrated. So, you know, for the pro market, I, I think that this is another thing we have to, to kind of keep our eye, eye, eyes on is, you know, what, what are the implications for our industry? I know on the event side, you know, we are really looking at creating um, personalized solutions and experiences for everybody. And, and that right now is probably one of the hottest things that we have to deal with is through this kind of social invasion, um, what type of then personalized experiences are people expecting? And I mean, for us, it's, you know, no longer at events are people just watching television, I mean, television, no longer are they watching content on the big screen in front of them. They're taking their iPads to the hallways and they are watching the, the live stream simultaneously somewhere else from in that big room. So that's something on, you know, the, the staging side that we've really had to think about. And I wonder, you know, for the integrated systems and built side, what does that mean for, for you ladies? You know, I'm just really curious if you have felt this influence at all. Ladies. Don't talk all at once. How about you, Cal? Um, This is Kelly here. You know, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, everything social has slightly taken over. And if you're not a part of it, you know, you're kind of losing out. Um, but yeah, I mean, at trade shows, at events, even, you know, whether you're doing an install or meeting with customers, I mean, there's really a big aspect in it. And I guess, I mean, even at, even at Infocom, I mean, there's tweeting constantly. They have big, huge, you know, digital signage screens with tweets as they go down. You have, you know, and it can be as personalized or unpersonalized as you want, you know, and I think as far as, you know, the dream gallery goes, I think it's, it's a really cool idea and it's a cool concept and it's, I don't think it's anything new. I think we're doing it everywhere. This is just kind of bringing it, you know, bringing it into your home. Does that make sense? No, it makes complete sense. Actually. Absolutely. Um, Jennifer, you deal with well, obviously the court system. So you have a, a few more restrictions on you. Um, than just the generic, um, you know, uh, event or, you know, in, in your house. Um, how do you guys deal with stuff like that, when it, whether it's this interface or, or others, when it comes to social? Well, um, what I can tell you, at least from the court's perspective, one of the things that um, we're definitely looking at a lot more and that's coming into the courts is how it's unfortunate, but I mean, that's the nature of um, what I do for a living is how is this technology actually making it into court proceedings? Um, so, you know, it's it's not so much, um, I agree with definitely with what everybody has said and, you know, with from Kelly's perspective, bringing it more into the home 
is where I think it'll gain a, a significant traction. But um, from the court's perspective, they're needing to look at how um, all this different technology is actually being used in court proceedings. And, you know, things, unfortunately, like using evidence um, from your Facebook in a divorce proceeding or, you know, potentially disclo um, disclosing a mistrial because somebody on the jury box was out tweeting um, about what was going on for the case. Um, so those are the types of things that um, – we're seeing all of this social media technology. Um, the courts are a little bit, generally speaking, not as um, forward and advanced and definitely not on the cutting edge of technology because of the potential legal impacts that it would have. Um, but that's definitely from, uh, at least from my particular perspective, where um, we're seeing all of these things um, come into play. And and Don Mindori made mention that uh, you know watching TV and and it was it was funny but actually back in my radio days we did that more than once where we we rented out a venue and and had TV um, and it was a social event you know and that's kind of what we're seeing with stuff like this boxes isn't it where where TV is becoming more social now oh absolutely absolutely um, it, it's rather it's sort of a sea change on how we as people are consuming content and, and we've talked about this when we discussed the kaleidoscape things uh, on yeah. some previous podcasts um, and, and the whole social aspect of, of events, of real life events, of television events, re, you know, radio events, sporting events. It, it's really changing the way we communicate and we, we deal with each other. Um, I, I pulled up a statistic here that, that I, I, I don't know if I actually wrote the blog or thought about writing the blog, but about a month ago, um, a report came out from Nielsen, you know, the Nielsen box yes. ratings people. The, a report came out from Nielsen that said 88% of all U.S. tablet owners simultaneously use their tablet while watching TV at least once a month, and 45% use their tablet while watching TV at least once a day. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't count the number of people that are using smartphones while watching TV or like I'm sitting here while we're doing this podcast with a laptop on my lap. And when we're not talking, you know, I've got the TV going and, it, you know, it's, it's nothing at all for us to, even my husband and I or, or any of our friends to, to sit and watch something while simultaneously exchanging comments on it in a social media. Just last night, our, our friend Matt Scott and I were watching So You Think You Can Dance together. He's in Canada. I'm in Maryland. You know, and we were, we were commenting on some of the auditioners. I mean, that, that's just the way we yeah. consume media today. And what's interesting about this Motorola article that we're discussing is, you know, when you scroll down through the article to the comments, half the people are loving it and half the people just think it's from the devil. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that's kind of where we are as a society because there is this sea change happening, how we consume content. Mm -hmm. Half of us are like, we need to talk about it with everybody. We need to watch it on our phones and on our tablets and, and on the digital signage that we're driving past on the highway. And the other half are like, no, TV's at home. We're out somewhere. Never the twain shall meet, you know. So it, it's going to be interesting for a while how both society adapts and how the different manufacturers and mm – -hmm content providers um, yes you know change the way they do their business that, to, to react to this Don you just I saw that same statistic that's so funny and I was really fascinated by it um, and I love what you just said about the 50 50s but it's like love it or hate it though it's here because 
you know, there's apps like Get Glue, right, where people are doing their social television experience already. I mean, it's here. So right. is a manufacturer going to adopt it and capitalize or are they going to, you know, say, oh, it's a fad and it's passing and let these, you know, app developers and somebody else take advantage of the opportunity. Um, I, I think that, you know, you just hit the nail on the head, though, with the service providers, because that's where the real challenge is, is that we have these antiquated, you know, revenue models of advertising dollars. And people, the way that we consider or, you know, think of and interpret advertising can no longer just be eyes on a logo, you know, eyes on a brand or a commercial. It really has to be more of an interactive experience in order to get a consumer or, um, you know, it could be somebody in an office. I mean, you could even develop like a private network like interface like this where you're thumbs upping, you know, your a report from somebody in another's apartment or thumbs down, right? Like I like it. I don't like it. <laughs> Everybody has an opinion and now they're able to express it. And that helps craft kind of that personalized experience I was talking about. But, you know, I think that the, the challenge is going to be, you know, where, where are the revenue models for these service providers? Cause it's no longer just kind of selling the traditional commercial spot and it's more about okay what type of you know I mean the hot hot topic would be like business intel bi you know what what kind of information can we get about the behaviors of these individuals that's where I think they really are going to have to go to look at more of the, the revenue resources rather than just eyes on a logo because that you know I think that that's a, a major issue these days well, and what what was it? Um, a couple of days ago, I saw an article, and this kind of—I know it's left field, but bear with me for a second. <laughs> There's a retailer that has they have clothes on their rack, and they have a counter on on the hanger that that they're that they're hanging on that has a like counter, and <laughs> where yeah. you, I, I don't know the retailer, and I'm actually trying to find it right now. Where you can you go on this company's website and on their on their Facebook page and you like a particular um, a particular jacket or a particular um, skirt or you can you know I could put on there you know I'm thinking about buying this suit what do you think and have people you know like it so everything is becoming social. So it, looks like it looks like it's a Brazilian company called CNA. I just found it here. Thank you. And, and that's and, awesome. And, you know, <laughs> that is Karen, really cool. <laughs> I think that that actually, you know, honestly, that just, that actually leads right into the conversation about digital signage, right? Mm. No longer can a digital sign just be a sign. You know, it has to be an interactive experience, right? Like, I think that that's the other, the other piece that we're, you know, kind of, it ties right into that conversation of, you know, maybe the underutilization of digital signage when it comes to this type of um, like, not like interface, you know, personalization. Um, I think that that's another key point. Well, that that's a good point. But when does, you know, when does a, a digital signage then become a small video game then? I mean, there was, you know, there were, there's a couple of stories we've done over the past year or so where, you know, there, there's been the, um, the uh, alternate... Um, reality where the one in, in Times Square where you could stand next to or dance with a Disney character um, or, you know, hang out with what was it, the Jolly Green Giant in, in London. Um, but then you've got, you know, like you said, you know, it has to be interactive. So I guess, you know, it's either you playing a game or you're next to someone who's not really there. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
I, I mean, I think personally thinking about like a retail experience though, you know, if I've at some point created some type of profile or I have, you know, signed up to be a part of an experience, it's not just about having a fun game or doing something silly or cool. It's also about getting information that I need and I want when I want it. So I walk into that, that retailer and yes, the coat, I can like it, not like it. I can see what other people like, but maybe there are reviews in front of me. Maybe there's top three, you know, the best things about this coat are that it fits well if you have big shoulders, right? So yeah, I have big shoulders. So I might pick that off the rack. looking for that one. <laughs> I save, love that. And save some time. So it's not just about having a fun, cool experience. It's also about, again, in this, I'm, I, I know I keep repeating myself, that personalization of experience so that people get what they want when they want it. I mean, it, it's the whole on-demand phenomenon. And it, it's, it serves a need, right? It fulfills a purpose. And that's what technology is supposed to do. Right? And people, people are already doing it, though. I mean, how many times do you walk through Best Buy or how many times do you walk through Target, you know, before you buy something and you go on Amazon and look up a review? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so but, let's get big brotherish here. <laughs> because Yeah, because that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, so uh, Jennifer, you've got... I don't know what kind of cell phone you have in your pocket, but I'm going to put one in your pocket. Um, I'm going to put mine in your pocket because my, mine is a, is a Samsung Nexus, and it has you know the the uh, the RF uh, thingy that that Google has on on ice cream sandwich, and uh, I can on specific retailers you can wave it and it takes money out of my out of my virtual wallet and stuff. But other people can do similar things. So Jennifer, you're walking up to. I don't know what what I, I don't know what stores that women shop at. I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's um, see the Gap. How there we go. Thank you. Gap. Thank you. You, you. you saved me there. So you walk up to the Gap, and one of Midori's uh, fancy schmancy uh, digital signages things are up there, and it's interactive, and it reads the fact that you're Jennifer Willard, and it, here's your contact list, and all of a sudden there's like two or three um, outfits that Kelly has said these are great. And isn't that kind of um, creepy? creepy? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, let me just first let me just um, further that because I, I totally agree with you, um, Midori, in regards um, to you know the selections and personalization and taking it one step further. The things that I've sort of heard around, you know, imagine walking past a store and they know that you like Starbucks and so they're sending a coupon, you know, so it's, it's not just necessarily about sort of that personalization to, um, from a retail experience, but it's also a real good business driver if you can figure out how to do that. Um, I'm probably a bit of an anomaly in terms of, I don't turn on my GPS. Um, I don't necessarily sign up. I mean, it's hard being in, you know, sort of to say I'm in technology, but on in my own personal, I'm one of that 50% Don um, that once we sort of like, you know, walk out and, and do everything, you know, um, I put my phone down and I, I do have a lot of concerns about that. And um, I have concerns in respect to how far is too far. Um, and, Can you know, you do sort that of, right now. Actually, can you actually get coupons sent to you when you walk yes. by? Like, if I walk by a Starbucks, they can send me a coupon. 
Yes, there's there's a technology out there that's um, it actually works off of a microphone and they, and you it's opt in though. I mean, this is you have to remember right. this is yes. purely opt in. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You, you have to have the technology enabled on your phone and you have to fill out a profile. So I think that's important to remember. But there's a technology out there. It's called Sonic Notify. Really hot company. Keep an eye on it. Think in terms of like Shazam, but it's basically these are sound beacons. I don't know if you use Shazam, if you've seen the app, it, you know, identifies songs that are playing on the radio, but you're like, who sings that? So, um, thank you. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I guess, you know, and I definitely, um, what I understand the sort of opt-in policy. I guess my biggest concern around all of those sort of things is that you see a lot of times where it's not the it's not opt in. It's whether or not you want to actually opt out. And I think that you see that and you've seen that a lot sort of with Facebook and the things that they've sort of gone through in terms of actually having to go to court and be told that they have to change their privacy settings. And you look at all of these sort of things that get hacked. And I'm just, you know, just generally speaking, it's I really feel that in terms of technology moves at such a breakneck speed that sort of the security and humanity and people move too slow behind it versus the people that might use that for a purpose that, you know, Kelly, yeah, you'll get a great coupon, but then what other information is being sent through that um, to make sure that Tim, I think it goes back to the point that you said, you know, it can take it out of your virtual wallet. Well, yeah. the first question that I had was, well, can I take money out of your virtual wallet? You know, I mean, sure. and what and what is sort of the parameters and are we really keeping up um, from that perspective in terms of making sure that I can't take it out of your virtual wallet instead of mine? Um, so that was just sort of the point that I wanted to kind of make there. Yeah, but if you, I mean, even creepy, like, um, <laughs> Greg Brown over at UCLA sent me a link. Wait, oh, did you just call? Uh, <laughs> you time out. Time. Wait, wait, I don't think Brown you were putting creepy and Greg Brown in the same sentence. What? You were putting creepy and Greg Brown in the same sentence. Oh, I, no, he sent me a creepy That's email awesome. about something else. <laughs> about about a Facebook or an app that you can get on your phone called Girls Around Me. Have you guys heard of this? Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, were they where guys can figure out where women are checking in, you know, wherever they are located. I mean, that stuff is super creepy. It is, and it's an aggregator that uses th- things like Yelp and and uh, and Foursquare and Facebook, you know, places to t- check, you know, people check where people are. But I mean, that doesn't seem like it's opt in. You know what I mean? Right. But, well, but it's opted in to check in. Yes. I mean, you decided to share your public location with a network of people. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing about it from my perspective is that it's like the point is that I'm going on Foursquare to share my public information thinking I think it should be a reasonable expectation that it's not going to be taken by some guy to be able to sort of be creepy and check in. And that's where I'm so, I see that there's – we just have still a bit of a ways to go in terms of a disconnect between you know, what it is that you're expecting to get out of that application when you do opt in versus – you know what? What else everybody else can find? Well, and it, it also comes back to you know, it, honestly, it, it, I'll bring I'll bring my daughter in on this, who's only six, by the way, doesn't have yeah. a cell phone, won't have one for a while. Um, but you know, it's it's when you educate people about how to do this stuff. I mean, it, it, and this is not m- meant to be me or anything, but when when you check in, 
I'm going to tell her if you're if you're going to use stuff like that, check in when you leave. I mean, if you want the benefits of that, then check in when you leave. You don't don't let 900 million people, i.e., Facebook, know where you are if you don't want to be followed, or if you don't want to be followed, then don't use stuff like that. I mean, I mm-hmm. I guess is is that too simplistic? No, 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 no. It makes sense. Well, and the thing is, to be fair, and and this is. This is beyond just the technology. I mean, to be fair, we're kind of blaming the technology of checking in or Facebook or mm-hmm. or the the, uh, the you know the 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 apps and the, and 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 the digital signage and such. But it's it's not simply a matter of the technology. I mean, we're all tech people, and you can't blame the technology for something that's going on beyond that. And that's the erosion of privacy and expectation of privacy in this country. I mean or in this world, actually, nowadays, um, there was an article in Forbes in February that creeped me out more than anything you could do with Facebook. And that's Target, which is a yes. great store. I shop at Target. I you saw know, this. Target, <laughs> just by using your, your customer card or whatever, has people that are statisticians and data miners going through everybody's purchases that can aggregate and figure out who you are and what your, your trends and what your buying decisions are. Yep. And are so targeted that they, no pun intended, that they actually sent pregnancy coupons to a teenage girl whose parents were then irate that they were trying to encourage her to get pregnant. Turned out they just figured it out based on what she had purchased, that she was pregnant and, and notified her parents before oh, no. she did. Yep. I uh, mean, and it was just simply the st- running the statistics of what she purchased. Now, you know, granted, without computers and everything or without the barcode on your shoppers club card or whatever they may not have been able to do that as well but i mean that's not the fault of the technology that's that's the way people are using their information sharing their information you know it's creepy as all get out that they may know you are or aren't pregnant before you do you know but it, it it's not the fault of the tech that's out there it's the way it's being used and it's the way people are are or are not enforcing their own privacy mm-hmm. okay. right well and i think people don't know enough about what their privacy rights or how to do that. And that was sort of to my point of technology always moves much faster than we as a society um, can sometimes keep up in terms of what our priorities are in terms of how we actually are using that technology, right? Because Target was actually trying to use that to generate business and they, you know, sorry, go ahead, Tim. No, no, I was, I was going to say that I was just going to ask you guys because stuff like Facebook and and Twitter and you know uh, the Foursquare and and even to some extent um, the the Target thing, which we can we can argue that they probably were, were stretching their their rights a little bit. All these services are free, okay, ostensibly. That what they ask of us is they ask for information, right? And I, I think one thing that we we may have deluded ourselves as society into thinking that they could sustain this for free, quote-unquote, indefinitely while we enjoy the benefits of, of their services. Well, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is they have to make some money somehow. And the one thing that they can do is they can take all of our information, however creepy it is, to make money. And, and, and so we, we need to decide whether or not we either are okay with that, and if we're not, what's the alternative? Well, that's why I have such issue with Facebook ever coming out and talking about, you know, how they stand behind privacy. I mean, ah, it's just yeah, it's complete kind of hypocrisy to me. But, yeah, no, I think you're right. What do you guys think? 
I don't know. I mean, Medora, I just, I'm, you know, I, I agree. I do. But at the same time, once again, you have decided to join this network yeah. and, you know, it, it's, it, you know that you're sharing this information. And, and again, it's, you know, as revenue models shift and advertisers figure out, look, we're not getting anything by putting a, a picture of our brand in a magazine. They have to find additional, you know, the, the publishers, um, content distributors have to find a way to monetize that distribution or creating that experience on a social network. And right now the way to do it and what we're going to see, I mean, this is only going to become, you know, more um, increased is that idea of business intel and sharing information about consumer behavior, yep. um, individual human behavior. So I agree that you have to, you know, there has to be some better education. Like for me, I have guidelines. If I'm traveling alone, I don't check into a hotel. If I'm in a group of people, I check into the hotel. You know, it's, for me, it feels like common sense, but again, digital native here, you right. know, in yeah. early but, adapter, but I think that's a point. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think you're right. Like it, it, it there's a bit of truth to both. So mm-hmm. better education definitely required. Um, and I guess to Facebook's point, you know, they're saying, yes, we believe in privacy. We're not sharing anything, but you weren't. So, hey, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're respecting that. You know, so I, I definitely see both sides. You know, I just think it's going to become uh, more prevalent. And I think that more of an issue that people will have to, to deal with. Agreed, yeah. unfortunately. There, there, there's only one solution. You got to go off the grid, man. Unplug, baby. <laughs> Unplug. <laughs> There's a character in, oh, good Lord, I'm going to out myself here, in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas called Truth, and he's unplugged. He's high as a kite, but he's unplugged. All right, you're listening to AV Week. Uh, my the the, uh, the the wave cast, the wave edition, the women in AV, uh, with Jennifer Willard, uh, Don Mead, Kelly Perkins, and Midori Connolly. Um, if you've ever listened to, I'll, I'll say, even two or three of these wonderful episodes of AV Week, uh, you will know and understand that I can't stand 3D. I just, I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's useless to me. Um, maybe because the fact that, you know, it, I, I, I think it's gimmicky and, and Dawn has written extensively about that. Like the fact that it's almost a hundred years old now, which was a really great blog, by the way. Um, but the reason I bring it up this week is because there was a, there's a piece actually started out in TechCrunch. Um, I got it from IO Gear. About James Cameron, and I guess James can be called the current uh, godfather of 3D because he's you know he's all about 3D and he you know, he's the Avatar guy and usually when people start doing uh, 3D he's the one that they that they start throwing in there uh, and they did he did an interview uh, with with TechCrunch and his he said this week he said uh, he Cameron believes this is from from the TechCrunch article Cameron believes 3D is inevitable. As the way we will all view it, all entertainment, all entertainment, guys, whether it's on a tablet, on a TV, or on the movie screen. He goes on to say that the future of 3D will be defined by television. So, Don, the way that we can nip this in the bud is to, <laughs> is to convince everybody on TV to not do 3D. Is that what he's saying there? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think. And, and, you know, he's a, he's a good director. I'm not going to say he's a great director he's okay necessarily. Director. He's a good director. But I, I think he's a little bit delusional making that statement that it's inevitable. 
because they said that, and again, referencing that blog or that article I wrote a while ago, it's been in cycles. 3D has been in cycles since, you know, the the 1920s was the first big boom of 3D. And everyone's like, oh, this is the wave of the future. And then it went away. And then it came back in the 50s. And, oh, this is where it's going to be. This is This is modern technology. This is the future. This is, it went away, you know. And then, you know, Jaws 3D and all that crap in the 80s came out and it, oh, sorry the fantastic movies in the 80s came out you know and then it went away and it's just another fad it's gonna go away I mean granted the technology is way cooler than it used to be the images are way more fantastic but the fact is you still have how what percentage of people get sick when they look at 3d images either headaches pregnant women can't watch small children I mean, the, the, what was it, the Nintendo 3DS is already off the market or something because mm-hmm. it was, it, I mean, when there's that big of a percentage of people that physically can't handle it, you can't say it's going to be inevitable. It, it's just a silly statement. Yeah. He can say, I really want it to be inevitable because it's awesome and I know how to shoot it and, and he makes I can make money. movies that well, way. Well, yeah. that's my thing. Yeah, he has a vested interest in making sure that that actually no. happens. Absolutely. <laughs> well, how many people do you know own 3D TVs? Yeah. And well, me. and that that was kind of his thing was you know all these three Ds now are three D ready. Well, they're three D ready because that's all you can buy almost anymore, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, one of, one of the guys that that, are, that actually is, is 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 helps us out a lot. His name's Michael Drainer. Um, three years ago at Infocom, he and I, I it's, it, and they had this this wonderful three D pavilion. I'm saying wonderful because you know it's Infocom, but it was it was silly. Um, it's a 3D pavilion, and he and I are sitting next, standing next to each other in the hot zone, the red zone, and it was an auto stereoscopic 3D TV. Michael has an astigmatism; he wears glasses. He and I are standing shoulder to shoulder in the exact spot you're supposed to see is sit. Not only could he not see it, he got a headache from from trying to see this thing. You know, so you're right. There are serious issues. Um, so, but, but Kelly, to, to Dawn's point, is this, you know, is it just the vested interest of a decent Hollywood director? I think so. I mean, I don't. I just, I've seen. I mean, I've I saw Avatar in 3D. I saw I, was it Alice in Wonderland in 3D. I mean, I didn't think it was any better or worse for wear versus not watching it in 3D. You know what I mean? Who wants to wear glasses? It's annoying. You get nauseous. Mm. You know, you're constantly scratching your head trying to make them fit better. I mean, I just, I don't see people, I don't see people going to the movies or sitting at home wearing glasses. And I definitely don't see, you know, trying to get your kids to wear them. Yeah, I mean, that's a nightmare. It's, and, and, and it's just so that they can say, ooh, it's coming right at us. It's, right. Right yeah, it's like you a know, pop-up book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but those are cool. A more a more expensive <laughs> pop-up book at that. You, you know, Tim, I think that like honestly, okay. So for me, I think about two things when when you think about like cool technologies or um, you know, is it going to survive or there's there's two things to think about. Number one is does it fulfill a need? And I'm a big stickler for that. Technology either has to one fulfill a need, especially in the pro market, right? We we know that I can't sell something unless I can give a value to it. Mm-hmm. You know, on the other hand, there is also the does it excite, right? So it's okay for it sometimes just to be 
this is cool. This is awesome. We're seeing that right now with, you know, like projection mapping in the events world. It's like so hip and exciting and that's okay. But I think that, you know, thinking about those two factors, when you think about 3D, is it, is it really serving a need in business? Not so much. I mean, maybe in a, maybe some medical situations, um, but then on the other hand, in consumer world, like you guys have all just pretty much established, not so much, right? It's not that exciting. I mean, it, I just can't see you. I mean, can you imagine doing a video conference? Ew, 3D? Come on. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we, you know, it's like with content, people consume content because it, it, it hits a, an emotional point, right? Like that's successful content will hit an emotion with a viewer, whether it be, you know, funny or makes them cry or whatever. Why does it have to be in 3D? You know, <laughs> like, and then in business, you know, we look at we've got telepresence. You know, we've got the whole hologram thing that's coming, right? Um, which that's a whole another conversation, maybe for another week. <laughs> but I, I just can't see where it fulfills one of those two criteria in the world, either consumer or pro. It's it, it dawn. I think that I maybe stood up and applauded and maybe used a dozen emoticons on your blog that one time because I was so excited about what you had written. So everybody, you know, needs to check out and hopefully you can provide a link because it's yes. one of my favorite all time blogs. <laughs> Mine Thank too. You. Mine too. It was not not only was it well written, but it was incredibly researched and everything. It was yes. really good. Well, this is Jennifer, if I can add, I think, you know, Medora, you, you hit a point that I think is incredibly important in terms of what is the actual application that it's being used for, because, um, you know, to the extent that you talk about holodecks and you talk about cave technology and 3D simulation, um, it's incredibly beneficial when you talk about oil and rigging research. Um, major league, you know, professional um, associations are using it in terms of putting, say, their pitchers inside of there and actually being able to work with them to better enable them to do it. So I think definitely from the consumer side of actual entertainment, I think that um, 3D technology is losing a lot of opportunities by not looking into some of the more um, research, uh, you know, whether or not it's helping disabled people. There's this eye tracking technology out there called Toby, um, which is going to be fantastic for people that are paraplegic in terms of they can do and, you know, transition things with their eyes. Um, so there is a lot of value in terms of that technology. But, you know, maybe, like you said, not it's not necessarily something um, that is, you know, consumer ready or consumer enabled. Um, I know that um, all of the car manufacturers, uh, especially from Christie um, Digital, they do a lot in the area of holodecks and cave technology. And um, you, they actually model the cars where you see those commercials where it used to be that they would sort of chip away at how they would do car modeling and everything like that. Mm -hmm. All of their cars right now in terms of testing and everything like that, it's all done in 3D simulation where you just have, you walk into a room. And the other place to sort of look at that in terms of not necessarily a movie, um, but imagine, you know, walking into a space and closing a door, putting on some glasses or whatever, and next thing you know, you're at a beach. So, you know, sort of the leisure um, hoteling type industry where you can deliver an experience to somebody that actually puts them in a completely another place. Um, I just think that they're looking in the wrong places. I would agree with that. You give me a holodeck and I'll be happy. 
Yeah. <laughs> right on. You know what? Yeah. I've, want, I've wanted a holodeck since Star Trek The Next Generation, so. Mm. You and me both, brother. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if I can just say one other thing, yes. Tim. Um, mm-hmm. I know that um, last year, at um, I think the um, 3D with the glasses is absolutely right on. Um You've got to go to the small pavilions, the small 3D pavilions at Infocom, because there are a couple of companies out there that are making, um, you know, the 3D without glasses. I think it's got a long way to go in terms of sort of viewing angles. And obviously, you've got to probably be sitting right in front of it to be able to see it. Uh, But there are a lot of companies and technologies that are working on trying to, you know, get rid of the glasses, knowing that it's a problem. Yeah. And you know the the faster they come they come up with that solution, and the faster they come up with a solution to to help everybody see, because um, mm-hmm. there's there's a there's a in my opinion an awfully large percentage of the population who simply can't see it, and I want to say it's like fifteen or twenty percent that simply cannot see three D. So until they figure that out, yeah. I can't see a magic eye. What's a magic eye? <laughs> you know the books. Oh, you can't see those. <laughs> no. Really. But I can see 3D. That's weird. Well, yeah, it's a trade-off. <laughs> you, sounds funny. Sorry. You, you make James Cameron happy, but you know, <laughs> that's huh. um, all right. So the, we're, we're talking here on the at the end of May in about two weeks. Uh, actually, two weeks from this this coming Wednesday. So so two and a half weeks. Uh, we will all be in. I should say. I should shouldn't say all. Kelly, are you going to to Infocom? I sure am. Okay, so we will all be in beautiful downtown <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada at Infocom. Um I, I, I like this this group here not just because I like you you ladies and you know personally, but this is a neat little cross section. Um we have integrators, we have staging, we have uh, end user, uh and we have manufacturers. So um I don't know where to start. <laughs> where but we're we're gonna kinda gonna go around the, the horn here and um just kind of go through what each of you expect to get out of Infocom and, and kind of what you have planned going on. So I guess, Jennifer, we'll start with you because you're an end user like me. All right. Well, um, thanks. I um, certainly always go to sort of look at the new technologies, sort of, you know, the existing technologies to see how they're improving, um, what's going to be kind of coming out on the market. Um, there's always the education. I'm a big fan of education in terms of types of RU classes that you can take advantage of that I know a lot of people, Tim, probably, you know, um, knowing that it's kind of hard during the year to be able to continue to have, uh, you know, education and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I'm, that I'm really looking forward to. And then we have a lot of wonderful wave events. So maybe we'll talk about that later. Okay. All right. Uh, I guess, Midori, we'll, we'll go with you next. Um, what are you kind of looking forward to and, and, and doing things? Because you do a, 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 not only staging, but you also do a lot with, with green technology. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, it, in my world, it's the same thing. You know, we always, I always like to drop that. Sustainability is just integrated part of doing business. Um, but, you know, interestingly enough, that, that does influence, I think, more and more of the world. Um, and for me, Infocom, what, what I'm looking to see is, um, you know, traditionally we've always like, okay, what are the, you know, bigger technologies, bigger everything in our world? And what I'm really interested in seeing is how can we take it smaller? So looking to see different solutions for more of like mixed format meetings where, you know, how adapting to how people consume content, how, what kind of technologies are out there 
um, that we can use to kind of fit those needs of, of the attendee. So again, like I said, that second screen, what can we do as an AV company to fulfill that, um, that new behavior? Um, and then also it's kind of exciting on Tuesday, part of the, um, there's a, a live event sort of, uh, I don't think it's a summit, but it's Super Tuesday Education. So I'm speaking on, um, you know, making events more interactive and, and AV providers looking to move beyond just going bigger and brighter. So that for me should be, you know, it should be interesting. It's, it's a different world than it was even, you know, I'm a newbie. And even five years ago when I started, we're, I'm just amazed at how much it's changed. Very cool. Um, we will go to Dawn. We'll, we'll end up with a manu- with a manufacturer. That's Kelly. Uh, so Dawn, you are you work for an integrator, but you're also uh, a, a very big uh, part of the social scene uh, with AV tweeps and stuff. So, kind of, what are you looking for uh, as you walk around? Um, I know one thing you're looking for, and I just I won't give you a hard time about it. But <laughs> Dawn likes her little her, her her ribbons that she puts on the bottom of her things. So. I, I am. I am. I, I, I told the, the fellows, the uh, AV Nation board recently that I'm, I'm, I'm rather a ribbon whore. I collect as many ribbons as I can for various things. So I've got my CTS ribbon and my Infocom committee ribbon and, you know, any, any ribbon I can find, you know, NSCA ribbon, I got to put a ribbon on there. But um, now I, Infocom is a busy time for me. Um, even as an integrator, you know, not as a, 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 I'm not as busy probably as Kelly and the manufacturers. Uh, I know that from last year when I got to work the show with a manufacturer. But um, in addition to doing the social thing, and we're going to be podcasting from the show with AV Nation throughout the throughout the week, um, and and my committee work with the Infocom membership committee, and you know, so various meetings and uh, you know, councils and things that I'll be running off to to meet up with folks. Um, the the biggest the thrill of the show is just getting out there and seeing and, and getting hands on the newest technology. Um, and, and one of the things that my husband and I, who is also an integrator, uh, we've made a point of doing every Infocom we've gone to, no matter how busy we are, we make a point to run the aisles. Even if we only spend like 30 seconds at each booth, we literally run the aisles and go to like every booth because that little five by five booth in the back of the hall that you've never heard of and probably would never think of seeing if you didn't literally walk the aisles could end up being one of your best vendors for customers for like the, and, and it sounds like such a joke, but you know, like 10 years ago or so we were running the aisles at Infocom and there was this little five by five in the back of the hall handing out bottles of hot sauce of all things. Oh, wow. And it was the most obscure piece of swag. And so while we were there, we were looking at all their little boxes. And that little five-by-five five in the back of the hall turned out to be contemporary research. I can't tell you how many of their, uh, their little um, you know, AV tuners that we put in systems over the past 10 or 15 years. They ended up becoming just like a bread-and-butter part of every one of our quotations that we would do for a design build. And we never would have met them without that running around. So, you know, we make a point of just hitting the aisles, our feet hurt, and we're miserable by the end of the week. <laughs> but we, we at least get an idea of who's out there, what the new things are, what the up-and-comers might be. They don't all make it, you know, the little five-by-fives, but it's worth it to just run the aisles and meet them and see them. And you might end up finding a gem in, in the pile. I um, would, so, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I, so that's that's the one big thing that I'm looking forward to. And of course, the other big thing, and, and I've talked about this with Jen, is um, Infocom's about the relationships. It's one time where you can get a critical mass of people in our industry together and on the show floor, at a restaurant afterwards, at a party, at a tweet up, you actually get to meet these people that you only talk to through a computer or a phone. You get to spend time with them. You get to see what's going on in the industry and you get to make really great friends. And so I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. I would I would agree with you, and I'm going to add two more stories about about your walking the aisles. One is um, I, I ran into some people who had one of those little five by fives, and it was it was this gaffer's tape that when you connected it and and it it melted it melted into itself and it created a, a waterproof gaffer's tape. It was really cool. And nice. another one was these guys. That it was this is silly. They had these drills, and they would drill sideways. What? It was it was the oddest thing. You, you it he had this block of wood, and he would start straight down, and then at one point he had this thing where he could he could flip this button and it would do a ninety degree angle. It was the coolest. Thing. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. But again, it was back in the back forty, you know, a little five by five booth. So, yeah. All right, Miss uh, Miss Manufacturer, uh, <laughs> Miss Kelly. What what are you kind of looking for? And you you. You get there at like Friday or Saturday, don't you? Um, to set yeah, up everything. I'll be there. I think I leave on the ninth, oh, or no, wow. I leave on the tenth. I leave Sunday. Um, well, it's our biggest show of the year. Um, we've actually got the biggest booth we've ever had this year. We're at a fifty by fifty, which is like unheard wow. of for us. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Plus, we actually have a booth over at UB Tech, too, over at the Mirage. So we have we have a lot going on uh, that week. But, you know, as Infocom is our biggest show and we are a hardware manufacturer, you know, it's really the one time of the year where we can get all of our customers, all of our reps, anybody who's interested to come over and play with our equipment. You know, we have it all set up and it's, you can come over, you can touch it, you can see it, you can actually you know, see it in a real world environment. So it's, I mean, that's really big for us. Um, you know, and on the other hand, you know, it's always fun to see all of the new technologies because we're really, you know, we're really a peripheral company. You know, it's fun to see what's out there and it's fun to see all of the new technologies that are going on, you know, just in case, you know, we can come up with some new ideas on, oh, it'd be really cool to, you know, build this around this or build this, do hickey around this or, you know, whatnot, because I mean, if you think about it, you know, our, our products are really, you know, we're just a piece of the grand install. Nobody ever really designs, you know, an, an installation around our products. We're just kind of a little piece of it, whether it's, you know, cameras or a document camera or any of our classroom stuff. Um, so in that aspect, it's really fun to go out and see all the new stuff. And, you know, as Don said, the relationship building is really fun. You get to see all the people like you guys who, you know, well, I think almost all of you I've never met in person. So it'll be really fun to meet all of you. Um, you know, we have, I think we have about four or five classes that we're doing. We're partnering with Sonic Foundry and Blue Jeans on some manufacturer training. So we have that going on. All the wave events are really fun as well. Um yeah, it's it's going to be a busy week. <laughs> yeah, think, yes, it will be. You'll be toast but by four o'clock on Friday. It really, I mean, 
we all look forward to it here. It's our favorite show. Everybody enjoys it. We have a great time. And, you know, it really is, you know, if, if you're at Vadio and you don't get to the, to get to go to the show, you really seriously are disappointed and it's kind of a bummer. So we take it seriously here and, and yeah, it's probably our favorite time of the year. So that's kind of where we stand at Infocom. Right. Well, that's and you guys all have really good perspective. Um, as Don mentioned, we're going to be uh, recording um, a lot of podcasts at at uh, Infocom. Uh, we will be at, at a part of the Rave uh, Pubs booth, which, if you can find the um, if you can find the Infocom store, you can find us because we're right to the left of it. So. Um, and Jennifer, you guys have the women in AV have some stuff going on during uh, during Infocom. Yeah, we have a, actually, you know, we're really thrilled. It'll be the first time that we're all uh, there together. Um, and we have a whole bunch of um, activities that we're really looking forward to. Um, we've had so much support from the industry. Um, on Wednesday, we'll be having um, a Women in AV reception, which is um, sponsored by NSCA and FSR. It's from 3 to 4, and that's actually in the NSCA booth. Um on Thursday, we have the Women in AV Luncheon, which is sponsored by Infocom, and that's from 12 to 1.30 in the Hilton. Um, so that is going to be really fantastic. It's about mentoring, and we'll have an expert panel um, from across the industry who's going to talk about the importance of mentoring, the different types of mentoring, and why it's important for, you know, not just women, um, but our companies um, and what that has to offer. And then later that night, uh, around 9 o'clock, we will be co-hosting with uh, Rave Publications, uh, Wave Tweet Up, and that's going to be in a partnership with NSCA again and in support of their education fund and um, at the Drunk Uncles concert that they feature and is also in support of their charity fund. Um, one of the really awesome things that we have going on that we're really excited about is that um, through the you know kind initiatives and generous initiatives of Jan Sandry with FSR, we'll actually be supporting a um, local Las Vegas women's charity this year. So at some of our different events and, you know, potentially at some different locations, um, we'll be actually trying to, you know, be good corporate citizens. We go there for, the you know, mostly for business, networking, getting to meet each other and have a great time. But sometimes we don't necessarily think about sort of the everybody else that kind of lives in that area, you know, day in and day out. And so we're really excited to be able to try to support um, a nonprofit organization in that area. And I believe it's um, Southern Nevada First Children. And um, they help um, young homeless women and um, young pregnant women through mentoring, education and different opportunities. So, Akel, did I miss anything? <laughs> I think you got her all. <laughs> it's going to be a busy, busy week. But that, all of that stuff is really cool, especially, especially the, 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 the money raising. So. Yeah, we're excited about that. All right, guys. Well, thank you so very much. This has been very much fun, and you've been very nice to me, being the only, the only, uh, the only <laughs> man point. on the on the <laughs> panel here. I was a little nervous, you know. It, you know what? Yeah, I, and and every guy. Well, I should say most guys are like this. You walk into a room full of women, you and you're the only guy in the room. Uh, most of us pretty much walk out because we're you know we're smarter than that. So. 
Uh, because not, not, I would think it would be. I would think it'd be the other way around. No, because you know what? It, not, this is not some secret. Women are always smarter than guys. Always have been, and so we're just we just kind of fumble through. And yeah, it's it's. Well, a, Tim, if I can, I'm so sorry. I just want to bring up an important point that you bring up. Um, at all of our wave events, um, we really would appreciate all of you guys to show up, and we know how mm. much you support, and you know how much you know you guys do for us. But being in a male-dominated industry and how open you are, so we would yeah. love for you guys all to come um, to all of our wave events. I can come to the lunch. No, I'm sorry. That's sold out. <laughs> See? See? I, I, I didn't even get a ticket to the lunch. See? Sold out. So. I'm on board, and I don't know but... if I got a ticket. <laughs> well, no, you didn't get a ticket. You have uh, to work the booth. Everything except that. I'm sorry. But the NSA reception is open to everyone, and that's unlimited as far as I know. And, of course, the tweet up. <laughs> just giving you a hard time. You probably have salad or something. Next year. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> It's Vegas. You have to have a steak. All right. Um, I'm going to stop before I get in trouble. Thank you guys so much. This has been fun. Uh, if you would like to hear more stuff like this without me, let me point out, uh, check out the uh, the website, ravepubs.com forward slash Nation, where you can find the Wavecast with Jennifer Willard and a whole host of other people. Uh, so, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, I'm glad to. Thanks for having all of us. And if, if somebody, if somebody wants to follow you or the uh, the people from Wave in general, where 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 would they find you guys? Well, they can find us at womeninav.com. Like I said, Kelly's been doing uh, a yeoman's effort on building our website, so we'll be launching that soon. We have a Women in AV um, LinkedIn group. Uh, you can follow us there. Um, we are on Twitter, and then uh, we're also on Pinterest. So if you oh, kind of look it up for Women in AV, you will find us somewhere, hopefully. All right, and you, you guys are on Twitter. And do you, do you, you have a Twitter as well, don't you? Yes, uh, women in EV. Have I forgotten anything, Cal? <laughs> no, your your Twitter, your personal one, Jennifer Willard. Do you have? Don't you have one? Yeah. <laughs> All right, never mind. You don't want to. Put it. All right, there's Kelly also, Perkins. Uh, there's also the hashtag. Don't forget the hashtag. Yes, you the know, hashtag. so follow just general conversation, yep. which is just hashtag wave. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Kelly is from Badio, and your Twitter is body is Badio, right? <laughs> it's Badio. Well, there you go. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, Midori Connolly. It was very nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank right you so back much for, you. for coming by. Uh, do you? You are from Pulse Staging, and do you have? You do have a Twitter and stuff like that. Oh, you might say that <sighs> a dabble in it here and there. Um, yes, uh, it's at AV Girl Midori, and that's M I D O R I. Very cool. And last, and certainly not least, is the uh, the the goddess of social AV. Uh, as I affectionately call her, she is Dawn Mead, avdawn, avdawn.com, uh, and all sorts of, she's a blogger at Rave Pub, she does all sorts of things, and she keeps me and the other guys at AV Nation in line. Thank you so much for coming by, ma'am. My pleasure, and happy towel day, everybody. Yes. Happy if towel day. I missed Towel that. day, I saw that. <laughs> what was what towel day? What exactly is that? What is uh, Towel it, Day? It's for fans of, of the late Douglas Adams and Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I, I am, I, I, but I, I, I just outed myself as an Uber geek. I no, no, no. I, I, I got the it towel. Towel ne- Day. Celebrate. Don't panic. Ne- <laughs> never, never always know where your towel is. I got that, but I don't, I don't know why May 25th is Towel Day. Uh, it was two weeks after his death. Oh, okay. The, the death of Douglas Adams. It was just the day universally decided to not panic and celebrate Towel Day. Don't panic. I actually got a, an iPhone or a, 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 a Samsung case that says don't panic on it. So it's pretty cool. Nice. All right. Uh, you, if you want to follow me. Oh, uh, Dawn's is, uh, is AV Dawn on Twitter. So 
Um, my name is Tim Albright. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my Twitter, if you would like, is TD Tim David Albright. Uh, but more importantly for me and everybody, everybody else at AV Nation, please go by the website, check out this podcast and others. Website is ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. That is all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.